WTBRFM, Pittsfield. Welcome to Ham on WTBR, the all-inclusive ham radio show for hams and non-hams alike. Be part of the show. Contact us on www.facebook.com slash hamjamtv. And now the hosts of the show, Peter and Jessica. Ham on. Turn off the speakers. <laughs> Welcome to Hamon. Uh, we are Hello. we are live here in Studio B, and we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to have some we, space weather to talk about. Um, we have space weather. We have space weather, Ooh, and we have a, a, a presentation on setting up digital modes digital. Uh, for those interested, but. Couple of things you want to bring up first is uh, uh, I feel sorry for Colorado. Oh yeah, it is. In 24 hours, they went from 100 degrees. 101. 101 to 30 degrees. Yes, that's a major turnaround. That just, is. just, just like that. No, we all you're out, you're out saying. That's a 70 hey, degree wanna, drop. What uh, the heck? Hey, oh, hey, you know, you, you know, you're in Colorado. You want you're going. Hey, yeah. What am I going to do tomorrow? See, it's 100 degrees out. Maybe I'll go ATVing. Maybe I'll do it. You wake up next morning, there's five feet of snow on the ground. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, God of Mother Nature, either doubling down on the crazy or Mother Nature forgot her medication. Oh, it's, it's, it's 2020, you know. What, what, else, what else is uh, going to be happening one. here? Yeah. All, all you can think of New Year's Eve is, oh my God. Oh my God, is that Godzilla? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I'm waiting for is to hear that Godzilla is alive and lives in Japan. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm waiting for. I'm like, then yes. the circle crack will be complete. <laughs> oh, the weather and everything. Oh, yeah. On a separate note, if anybody spotted the Learjet passing over Pittsfield this weekend. Yes, yeah, so it's been noisy. You went crazy. This is why Hollywood superstar and Massachusetts native Mark Wahlberg was spotted at the Pittsfield Airport this past Friday, September 4th. Wahlberg was seen arriving in his private Global Express 7000 jet, complete with Wahlberg logo on the tail and by the door. Sources oh, wow. say the trip was purely recreational and he and his family had been in and out of the Berkshires all summer. The Labor Day visit was a quick one as he and his longtime wife, Rhea, headed out the next morning. No word on whether or not the famous family has purchased a property local. If you remember back in 2017, Wahlberg and fellow Hollywood A-lister Will Farrell spent time in Berkshire County filming portions of the movie Daddy's Home 2 in Great Barrington. It's yeah, Steve Butternut. Yeah, Global Security was on detail. And on Monument Valley Road. Paramount Pictures says the economic impact of filming in Great Barrington was more than $19 million, 
While the Berkshire Eagle reports the filming injected more than 1.8 million at area lodging, 560,000 at nearby restaurants, and 2.7 million in vehicle rentals and supplies. So mm. that explains the Learjet that was here. Uh, you, do you have news? Yes, I have some. Well, okay, well, give, give us some news before we get into the pressing business of well, I know the I day. Why do I have to be the one with the news? I did news. It's only fair that you do some news. <laughs> that's that's kind of how this thing works. Oh, by the Maybe way, in case, case you haven't figured it out, we we are in we are in the season two. We've been renewed. And Yay. I was going through this thing the other day. You know that we have not had an encore show. Every show that we have done has been live. Well, holy crap. Either at WTBR Studios or here in Studio B. B. So we're really proud that He's we got... He's like people can see them. We got, well, yeah, we got the, the first year done with no encore shows. So let's see what We the, can tell you're Italian. You talk with your hands even when cameras aren't around. So we'll see what the second year produces. All right, on to your news. <laughs> MCC application fee is proceeding is open for comments, and there will be a lot of nasty comments, but there will be comments. <coughs> comments are being accepted for the notice proposed notice of proposed rulemaking M NPRM and MD docket twenty. Uh, to Stemney, which proposes application fee, which proposes application fees for amateur radios. It's about how people can comment oh. on the fifty dollar. Yeah, uh, comment on the fifty dollar thing. We did that. We did that last week. Yes, I know, which is kind of cool. Now you can actually comment on it and go do you, you want you to? You give them the website yeah. so they can comment because we kind of broke it down last week. Mm. Is, there, is there a website? Hold on. It's always hold on. We're, we're live, live radio, folks. Yeah, but yes. And comments will be filed down whoever the FCC choosing. Everybody using FCC's electronic comment filing system. ECS, ECFS. Right, so use the FCC's electronic comment filing yeah. system. And the docket number you're looking for is 20, 2270. That's the one you're looking for. 20-270. That's the one you're looking 20 for. 20-270. Okay. So we, we, you, you can go back and listen to last week's... They're open for comments, but... You can go back and listen to last week's podcast, and that'll explain... Deadline, uh, hasn't, deadline hasn't been set yet for... Pretty much in a nutshell, for those that miss it, the FCC wants to charge $50 yeah. to get your license now. $50 for vanity calls. Um, $50 to upgrade. See, so, well, here they were proposing doing doing it. Right. And there the, the proposal proceedings is open for comment. So it wasn't exactly the same one. Alright, so uh, before we... It's called following up on the story! <sighs> before we go to our space... Under the bus he goes. Before we go to space weather, 
Um, there's an there's an Alabama QSO party. Uh, 912 at 1500 UTC to 913 at 0300 UTC. Um, information about it is at org backslash AQP. And the Texas QSO party is, uh, you can find information at, at HTTPS uh, colon backslash backslash txap.net. That's from 912. I said 912, 1400 UTC, 913, uh, 0200 UTC, 913, 1400 UTC, to 913, 2000 UTC. So a couple of QSO parties. I have more news if you. You have more news. What do you have? Airports research, laboratory trucks, product E. Okay, now take that'll be our segue into the space weather. So, figures. I'm the one doing all the work, and he's the host. Just <clears throat> go. Researchers at the Air Force Research Laboratory in New Mexico have discovered a new way to track and um, categorize sporadic E. When which which occurs when large structures of dense plasma from form normally in the upper atmosphere, these plasma structures, which which occur at middle latitude locations around the world, can affect radio wave propagation in both positive and negative ways. BHF enthusiasts, BHF. Huh. VHF. Very high frequency. Thank you. Into the enthusiast. One forty four megahertz. Frequently take take advantage of sporadic E propagation or E skip to workstations outside of our local area. Yeah. Okay. Premium I'm getting there, I'm reading it. I had to go ahead Can you get there a little faster? Previous methods to to observe these structures were insufficient for identifying and tracking these structures over large region over large regions. The research physicist at the Air Force Research Laboratory, which is Ken uh, Edinburgh. It would be it would be event uh. Yeah. It would have an advantage, pretty much, to effectively identify where these structures are and where they're going. Okay, if you know their middle attitude, you already know where they are. All right, you gotta let's speed this up. How and how dense they are, and we thought of a we thought of a better way to find out. They they have figured out to that they can use uh, broad, broadband radio noise, noise to map and track because the uh, unintentional RF, RF emissions went ahead and start up whenever they get close to it so that's how they were able to track cool. the sporadic E so they were using cool. broadband radio to we track can, the We can track e. sporadic E. Yeah, they're 
time they're in they're finding a way to go ahead and log it and keep it you can see the full track. story on the ARR yeah. website you can see the full story on the ARR right. we're gonna, website Those we're gonna take a break and when we come back from the break we're gonna we're gonna talk about space weather and and all that so you kind of segue in, us into it so do your thing yeah send in a ham on WTBR as soon as I find the right button. Uh, where is the right button? Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. Open calendar. What's my schedule looking like? Next Thursday, you will be caught in an emergency flash flood between Park and First Street. What? No. No, that, that doesn't work. I'm, I'm busy then. Decline. De decline. Floods don't exactly work around your schedule. Disasters don't plan ahead, but you can. It starts with talking to your loved ones about making an emergency plan. So don't wait, communicate. Get started today at ready.gov plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Elder Services of Berkshire County has been providing our elderly neighbors with the care and support needed to live independently since 1974. Through the years, we have had the honor of promoting senior independence by delivering a wide range of services with the expertise, compassion, and quality Berkshire County elders deserve. Your care in your home is our mission. Our biggest impact is in facilitating your care. Whether you need just a few hours of help around the home with meal preparation, cleaning or laundry, a drive to a doctor's appointment, or assistance with grocery shopping, we design every care plan to ensure that you receive individual attention from our professional case managers. We are here to provide you the security of knowing your needs will be met. Let us help you. Call our Information and Referral Department at 413-499-0524 for a free home assessment. Elder Services, 877 South Street, Pittsfield. Your home, your care, your neighbors. Berkshire County's Area Agency on Aging. WTBR-FM is listener-supported radio. That means we depend on your donations to keep the station on the air. All the local content and the music you love requires your support. You can make your donation today at WTBRFM.com by calling 445-4234 or stopping by our studio at 4 Federico Drive in Pittsfield. You'd be glad you did. Pittsfield Community Radio, for the love of radio. Some knowledge belongs to us and us alone. The way our girlfriends walk, talk, touch their hair. Details that only a sister can know about her girls. But what about our other girls? The ones we carry with us every day. Our bond with our sister girls gives life. But knowing your breasts can save it. Go to knowyourgirls.org for the facts you need on breast health. Brought to you by Susan G. Coleman and the Ad Council. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Jedi. Amazing. 
Every word of what you just said was wrong. The rebellion is reborn today. The war is just beginning. And I will not be the last Jedi. We would be honored if you would join us. W-T-B-R Space weather this week is definitely getting a bit exciting. Right now we're already in the middle of some fast solar wind that has bumped us up to storm levels multiple times and has brought some gorgeous aurora to many parts of the world. But believe it or not, that's not the only story. As we take a look at our front side sun, you can see that coronal hole that's rotating in through the Earth strike zone right now. That's the coronal hole that's been sending us some fast solar wind and it will continue to do so here over the next couple days before it settles down. But take a look at the east limb of the sun. Do you see all those bright regions? And if you look closely, do you see those little snake-like filaments up there? Oh my goodness, on the 31st, the one that's furthest to the east, whammo, do you see that it launches as a solar storm and it looks like it's gonna head toward the stereo spacecraft, but we're paying attention to it. And because it launched, it looks like it destabilized this other one that's in the middle of the Earth-facing disk right now. And if that one goes, it sure could be Earth-directed. Now switching to our far-sighted sun, this is stereo A and it's looking at the sun pretty much from the side. On the 31st, if you look in the north, whoosh, do you see that? Now that's the filament eruption that we saw on the front-sided sun, but it's headed far more towards stereo, so we got a better look at it. And if that solar storm passes over stereo, which it probably will over the next couple days, we'll get a nice heads up to know how strong these solar storms might be, especially with that one filament that has yet to erupt that might actually launch toward Earth if it does erupt, so that's a good heads up for us. Meanwhile, in the southern hemisphere, you can see a couple bright regions that are rotating into stereo's view. Those regions will also rotate into Earth view here in about three to four days, and they could boost the solar flux and uh, help emergency communications and amateur radio operators. Now switching to our coronagraph view, this is LASCO and it's a coronagraph view looking from Earth's point of view. And what we do is we make a false eclipse in the sky. And you can see the sun right there on the 31st, that sun launches that little filament and you can see it kind of moving out in the solar atmosphere of the LASCO instrument. Look at moving out to the east like that. It doesn't make a halo. That means it isn't like wrapping around the sun. It definitely looks like it's moving off to the east so we know that it's headed more toward the stereo spacecraft and not towards Earth. But as that thing hits stereo, as I mentioned before, it could give us a decent heads up because remember, we still have one more filament and that one, if it launches, could be Earth directed. And now for your Leo Mio Geo Orbit Outlook. As we switch to our low energy particle environment, these are the particles that cause surface charging on the outside of spacecraft, including charging up the solar panels that then can discharge and cause electrical short circuits. We do see that we had a little bit of flux buildup in and around the geo orbits right around the 28th, but it got flushed reasonably quickly. This was when that fast solar wind hit and it managed to flush everything and it took a little while for fluxes to begin to build up again, but oh my goodness, as we began to move into the 29th and into the 30th, you can see those fluxes have really begun to build up at GEO. And now as we've moved into the 31st, we are definitely dealing with some serious surface charging issues for you uh, satellite operators in GEO, especially in the, the near midnight and pre-dawn sectors. So just be aware, these issues are likely going to continue for you over the next maybe two or three days before things begin to calm down. Switching to our moon, 
We are now passing through the full moon on our way to a third quarter, and by September 6th, the moon will still be about 87% illuminated. So you night sky watchers, you're going to have to continue to deal with this bright companion if you want to check out those dim objects in the sky, so please check your local rise and set times. Switching to your solar storm conditions and aurora possibilities over the coming week, we are continuing to be hit by that fast solar wind from the coronal hole that's rotating in through the Earth's strike zone. So we're going to continue to expect to get a little bit more storming before things calm down. Now at high latitudes, NOAA is expecting active conditions with up to about a 40% chance of a major storm. So this is really giving some good shows of aurora at high latitudes. Now mid-latitudes, we're still expecting unsettled conditions, but we do have up to about a 10 to 15% chance of a minor storm. So you mid-latitude aurora photographers, you know, this. You, there is a chance of these things brightening a bit, so you can catch a show, but you're going to have to be pretty patient. Switching to your solar flare and particle radiation storm outlook over the coming week, everything continues to be in the green when it comes to big solar flares. We have a spotless disk right now, so we have no risk for radio blackouts, and that should make you GPS users on Earth's day side very happy. On Earth's day side, we have pretty good GPS reception right now. I'm not quite so sure about the Earth's night side right now with the fast solar wind. That could be a problem for you, but at least the day side's pretty good. Now, we also have solar flux hanging on to the low 70s. We are just barely at the hairy edge of marginal for radio propagation on Earth's day side, and that's probably getting messed up a little bit by that fast solar wind, especially on Earth's night side. You're going to expect some sporadic disruptions easily over the next couple days. But at least we are managing to hang on to that low 70s, and we do have some bright regions rotating into Earth view here over the next probably three or four days, and that could boost that uh, radio propagation back up a bit. So just hang in there, and we'll, we'll get through this. Now, also, because we are still climbing out of solar minimum. The cosmic ray flux is a bit more intense than we'd like it to be. So you frequent flyers, and this does include air crew, who fly over eight hours, 800 hours annually and fly at high latitudes and high altitudes. You are in the marginal range for radiation dose, and this does include prenatal passengers. So please take this into consideration in your flight plans. So the space weather this week is definitely getting exciting. We're in the middle of some fast solar wind right now that has bumped us up to storm levels and could easily do so again. So your aurora photographers, if you're at high latitudes, of course you're getting a wonderful show. But if you're at mid latitudes, well, you know, as long as you're dedicated, you could catch some of these intensifications, but you got to be willing to wait for those substorms. So take advantage of them. Now we also have on top of that a filament eruption that launched toward the stereo spacecraft. Now this one isn't Earth-directed, but it, you know what? It looks like it's destabilized the other filament that, if it launched, could actually send us an Earth-directed solar storm, so yet another chance for aurora. So we're going to be watching that quite closely. Now, amateur radio operators and emergency responders, well, you know, this fast solar wind is sure messing things up but on Earth's night side for you, I bet. Now, on Earth's day side, you should be getting some marginal radio propagation, but on Earth's night side, you're just going to have to wait for a few days for this solar storm to kind of calm down. But we do have a because we do have some bright regions that are going to be rotating into Earth view here over the next couple days, and that could boost that solar flux up for you a bit and improve that radio propagation. So just hang in there. I promise things will get better. Now, also, you GPS users, well, you know what? GPS reception on Earth's day side should be pretty nice. You shouldn't have any issues, but man, again, that fast solar wind on the Earth's night side, that could definitely be messing you up a little bit. So as long as you stay away from Aurora and away from those Dawn Dust Terminators, your GPS reception should hang in there. I'm Tamitha Scove, the Space Weather Woman. Thank you for watching. 
Okay, there's your space weather. We're back here on Hamon. There's your, so your, your space weather. So pretty much, provocation at night will be nothing. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. Uh, before we get to our feature, uh, which is... Uh, 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 science fiction double feature? Science fiction double feature. No, <laughs> it's a uh, tutorial on digital modes. Um, amateur radio featured in a TEDx talk... Uh, uh, TEDx talk entrepreneur Leah Moran recalls that back in the last century when she first attended an amateur radio class she was laughed at because she was female and young 10 years old the talk was given at a TEDx event in Amsterdam and it, Leah describes how as we shift from a stable linear economy to an innovative and dynamic one we need a new definition of success and a new approach to learning. Through examples of her own journey and her interesting, personal, and funny take on business of hacking our world, Lita's talk explains the idea behind a hacker mindset in developing new young leaders. You can uh, watch the Morse Code and the Future of Leadership at https www.youtube.com slash watch uh, but question mark V equals two J D D D Y three D eight M O. So you can catch it on there. Or you can search the definition. Or you can search the little. Or you can definition. do. Yeah. Unfortunately, much has changed since the era when Lita started the hobby. Not only is the hobby now inclusive, but the old Morse exam requirement has been scrapped. So we might play that uh, video here even though you can't see it you can listen to it next week um, we'll uh, we'll give you that we're, uh, we're gonna go to setting up for digital modes this is anybody interested in digital modes on, on HF and that um, this is a nice little tutorial for you so we, we hope you enjoy this this is Ham On. This is Peter and Jessica in, in yeah. Studio B yeah. here at Ham On on WTBR-FM. So uh, enjoy this tutorial, and we'll uh, be back on the backside of this. And Are you a ham interested in digital modes? Want to know the components you need in order to set up your digital station? I have answers. Welcome to Ask Dave, Episode 25. I'm Dave Kassler, amateur radio call sign KE0OG, here to talk about digital modes. Many hams find that using computer-to-computer -computer conversational modes to be a nice next step after getting your HF station set up. In this video, we look at how these signals are created and how you can set up your station to take advantage of them. Let's start with CW and work our way up to the latest digital modes such as PSK31. This video gets you set up. The next video will talk about actually operating these modes with sample QSOs. Let's start with CW. A CW transmitter puts out a single tone on a single frequency and then turns it on and off in accordance with the Morse code. We see this on our frequency display as a single tone, shown here as 14.051 MHz. The CW receiver is actually listening to either lower sideband or upper sideband. In this case, we'll use upper sideband. The receiver injects a tone 1 kHz below the received signal. 
The receiver then takes the difference frequency, 1000 Hz, and sends it to the headphones or speaker. The listener hears nothing if the transmitting station sends nothing, but hears the 1000 Hz tone if the transmitting station is key down. This is how all CW receivers work. The thing I want to point out here is what's actually in the receiver passband, a single tone. Now for a brief review of single sideband, in this case upper sideband. The audio speech signal is created as shown here, taking up a bandwidth of about 3 kHz. Then, before transmission, the carrier is suppressed and the waveform is transmitted. This is ordinary SSB. Okay, now for the magic. Let's take that same SSB transmitter, but instead of the audio input being a speech waveform, let's suppose it's a single tone. So we have the carrier frequency plus the single tone at, say, 1 kHz. The transmitter suppressed the carrier. Look what's left to go out over the air. A single frequency. Hmm, does this look familiar? Yes, it is. But I point out that for this to work, that is, generating a single transmitted tone using an audio input, the carrier must be suppressed as much as possible, as is normal SSB practice. The transmitter's audio and signal circuits must be as linear as possible, otherwise harmonics will show up, and the transmitter can't add broadband audio noise. It has to be quiet. So, let's do a direct comparison of what's transmitted by a traditional CW transmitter and what's transmitted by an upper sideband transmitter being fed a single audio tone of 1000 Hz. The answer? If done right, you can't tell the difference. We've just discovered a way to send CW by using an SSB transceiver, and yes, this works. Here's what it looks like. Note that we are using a tone generator as the input to the transceiver operating in single sideband mode. So as we vary the tone, the frequency of the transmitted tone will vary too. Now let's add another layer of complexity. Radio teletype is transmitted using two tones. The transceiver diddles back and forth between the two tones using the Baudot-Murray code. Well, can we create that using something that generates two audio tones and then send this to a single sideband transceiver? You bet! So, in the traditional setup, there's a teletype machine on what's called a local loop that is managed by the terminal unit, or TU. The output of the TU tells the FSK transmitter which of the two tones to send. Many medium and higher end transceivers today will accept these inputs and create truly frequency shifted keying, or FSK. But look at the next row. The machine, or a computer emulating the machine, talks to an audio tone generator. The tone generator generates the two audio tones as instructed by the TTY machine. The two audio tones are fed to the single sideband transceiver and are put out on the air.
Since this process is done using audio rather than directly, it's called Audio Frequency Shift Keying, or AFSK. Done right, this looks just like FSK on the air. By the way, the purists absolutely insist that AFSK just isn't an acceptable substitute for pure FSK. Done right, the two look identical on the air, and FSK and AFSK are completely interoperable. But note the caveat, done right, clean linear transmissions. Now, Ready was the first real digital mode and has been in ham radio for many decades. I made my first radio teletype contact back in the late 1970s using a real Model 15 teletype machine and a hacked VFO that would change frequency in response to the output of the machine. It was true FSK. Back then, that was the only way to do it. But then something important happened. The Tucson Amateur Packet Radio, or Tapper, organization started developing ways to emulate Internet-type communications on 2-meter FM, at first emulating old AT&T modems and using an amateur radio-purposed packet protocol called AX.25. The result was packet radio and is still found here and there today. Two tones would be used to transmit information. The device that did this work, creating the tones for transmission and deciphering the tones on reception, was called a Terminal Node Controller, or TNC. The floodgates opened. Pictured here is a truly seminal device introduced by Advanced Electronics Applications in 1986, the PK-232. This built on the TNC idea, but broadened the number of modes substantially. The photograph shows mine, a very early unit. Basically, the PK-232 is a computer in and of itself. In fact, you don't need a computer with it, just an ASCII terminal. The PK-232 would generate the audio tones needed for any digital format then in use and send these as audio input to a transceiver. It would then decode the audio output of the transceiver. The PK-232 did packet radio, but also had several other modes. It was an early implementation of APRS, the Automatic Position Reporting System, still in use today. It also did RIDI using AFSK, but it also included some additional modes designed just for HF. AMTOR was an amateur version of CITOR, an error-free communications method used by ships at sea and other point-to-point -point services. PACTOR was designed especially for amateur radio and had much higher throughput than AMTOR and eventually replaced it. The PK-232 could even generate Morse code using audio tones, although it wasn't very good at deciphering it. As the PK-232 product developed, it went on to include a mail drop feature as well as a bulletin board system. Truly, the PK-232 was a game-changing device. Now, I mentioned that the PK-232 was used with an ASCII terminal. If you've seen one, you're probably about as old as I am. 
They were common about the time that personal computers became popular, and a PC could be used to replace the ASCII terminal by using terminal emulation software. Pretty soon, PCs became quite good, and ASCII terminals faded away completely. Back when the IBM PC was new, the computer itself was pretty basic. Companies sprang up to create cards that could be inserted into the computer to do various things. Many devices were developed, but the one of interest here is the sound card, literally a card plugged into the computer that could both create sound and interpret it. The idea that computers could both make and play music as well as record it was revolutionary. It didn't take long for Hams to figure out that if a sound card could create music, it could certainly create the audio tones needed for packet and AFSK. In other words, you could skip the PK-232 and its competitors and just connect the sound card's audio input and output to the transceiver. A separate path was needed to key the transceiver, that is, tell it when to transmit and receive. This was usually done via the RS-232 port that all personal computers had back in those days. So we see the transceiver interfacing with the computer for transmitted audio, received audio, and the push-to-talk control line. It wasn't long before people started to take advantage of the sound card. In 1998, English amateur radio operator Peter Martinez, G3PLX, made use of the fact that the sound card, even back then, was a powerful signal processor. He created a mode called PSK31. It was designed specifically for the sound card, and the hardware TNCs were shoved aside. With the introduction of DigiPan, simple software that could create and interpret the PSK31 audio tones was now available, and digital modes exploded like wildfire. By then, sound cards were so ubiquitous that they were incorporated into the computer motherboard, a practice followed to this day. People would connect the radio's microphone and speaker directly to the sound card audio input and output. By the way, that's how I did it when I first tried it. I jumped on this quite early. I had to create a homebrew device to take the RS-232 output and use it to key the transceiver. But issues quickly arose in the amateur radio community. Connecting the audio is fine, but when transmitting, it's a great way to create RFI in those audio cables, and ground loops became an issue. Also, transceiver audio input and output levels were an issue, and getting everything set right was tricky. Also, since people were using the computer's main sound card, the normal noises, beeps, and tones that computers create would end up getting transmitted over the air. Transmit-receive switching, or push-to-talk, was always an issue, particularly since, as personal computers progressed, they started moving to USB and away from RS-232, which has now entirely disappeared. Well, ham radio equipment manufacturers stepped up to the plate. West Mountain Radio was first out of the gate with its Rig Blaster products, one of which is shown here. It had audio isolation so there wouldn't be ground loops. It also had ways to adjust audio levels going in both directions. 
These devices became very popular and made getting on the air with digital modes much easier. Digital modes began to proliferate. The next step was a giant conceptual leap. Windows by this time could handle more than one sound card, so a company called Tigertronics created a USB-connected external sound card designed with digital modes in mind and called it the Signalink USB. It had complete audio isolation and level control built in. Further, by means of jumpers and cables available as part of the purchase price, it could connect any radio to any computer. The photo shown is of mine, which provided excellent service with my Tentac Jupiter for more than a decade. Other companies jumped in with competition, of course, but the Signalink is still quite popular. The box could set signal levels easily, plus it had a built-in circuit to sense when the computer wanted to transmit and thus provided push-to-talk to the transceiver. These little things made digital modes easy. Because it was a separate sound card from the main one in the computer, the extraneous Windows sounds no longer went out over the air. Radio manufacturers caught on to the digital mode popularity quickly. Here are three generations of radios, all from my collection. The top one, the Seminole FT-101, which was one of the first full-featured transceivers, offered only the microphone input and the headphone or speaker output for sound. The middle generation, exemplified by the Tentec Jupiter, had special connections for digital audio. They provided something called line-in and line-out, which are audio connections at a constant amplitude, so levels had to be set only once. This configuration remains very common today. The bottom shows my Yaesu FTDX 3000, and it has leapfrogged past the external sound cards to having a built-in sound card itself. So the only connection between the computer and the radio is a simple USB cable. This will be the trend of the future, but so far appears only in a few radios. Okay, so we have several parts here. The computer generates tones via a sound card. The tones go into a transceiver for transmit and come back out on receive. Many modes have been developed specifically for the sound card and have almost entirely supplanted the old modes used by the external TNCs and multi-mode data controllers such as the PK-232. The astounding signal processing power in a common sound card is amazing and has led to modes beyond PSK-31 and its variants to include modes such as MFSK, MT-63, Olivia, Contestia, Thor, and Throb, as well as the recent and very popular JT-65. Oh, and since there's nothing to limit a sound card to just purely digital, you can use it for slow-scan TV as well as Hellschreiber. Truly amazing. But, and this is important, once you are set up for any sound card mode, you're set up for all of them. The truly popular ones these days are PSK-31 and JT-65. Well, okay, 
Something has to instruct the sound card as to what to do. There are many, believe me, many different software programs out there. Good old Digipan is still available, although it was last updated in the year 2000. It assumes using an RS-232 to control push-to-talk, so its relevance has diminished to near zero. For general purpose use, FL Digi is very popular, very capable, and is free. Lots of people use it. The WSJT software is not general purpose and is used for JT65, JT9, and other modes not usually found in the general purpose programs and is also free. If you're willing to pay extra money in order to get a little bit more support, MixW and Ham Radio Deluxe are available. I use an earlier free version of Ham Radio Deluxe. But to help prepare these videos, I downloaded and installed FL Digi and have had several successful PSK31 QSOs. Now, a warning. Given FL Digi is free, its programmers can't afford the internet server service needed to support many, many downloads of large files. So, they use a service called SourceForge. You get the software from SourceForge. But since SourceForge itself is free, the site is plastered with sometimes misleading advertisements. Be very careful you're downloading the right thing. I will post a separate video that shows the downloading process. I will also post a separate video showing a complete PSK31 QSO with my commentary so you can see how it works. Once you have your station set up for sound card digital modes, it's actually pretty smooth sailing from there. But setting it up can be hard. I say this because I've torn out lots of hair getting it working. There are many ducks and they all have to be in a row. Your station situation is unique and you'll need to work through your issues. You need to set up your computer and put in the right parameters. You need to get the interface device set up for your transceiver. And you need to set up your transceiver's audio chain to be completely linear, and so on. I suggest you contact fellow hams at your local ham club who can give you one-on-one -on -one mentoring on going from having the parts to having a working system. But when you do so, an entirely new world awaits. I took this photo on April 19th, 2016. Yep, that's snow. When will it ever be spring? April weather can be fickle to say the least. This photo was taken from our dining room and looks out at Mount Sneffels, whose peak at 14,150 feet is about 15 miles from us. So dig into the subject. There are gobs of websites devoted to this stuff, as well as many articles in QST and other publications. I point out the ARRL book called Get on the Air with HF Digital, good for beginners. I hope this brief summary has helped. If you liked this video, please share it with your friends. I urge you to subscribe to my channel so that you can get notification of future videos. I have a tip jar on my YouTube channel page and also on my website at ke0og.net. The whole purpose of this series is to answer your questions about ham radio, especially those of interest to those new to the hobby.
You can ask questions by commenting on any of my videos on YouTube, preferably on the one most directly related to your question, or you can pose a question directly at www.ke0og.net slash ask hyphen Dave. Until we next meet, 73. Introduction into the world of digital. So we will. And it was kind of easy for non hams to really follow, kind of cool. From the non ham portion of, of the yes, uh, ham on crew easy. here. He was very informative and it was really easy to follow what he had said. So cool, awesome. And we're going to take we're going to take our break and we will be back here in just a minute or two. You're listening to Ham on and WTBR. Impressive. Almost impressive. Hi everyone, Al Roker here. As a guy with his own catchphrase, I appreciate that after 75 years, Smokey's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But I'm filling in because there's a lot more to report. Like when it's dry or windy. Be careful burning yard waste, because wildfires can even start in your neck of the woods. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Is your little one safe inside your vehicle? Is the child seat installed properly? Is it the correct seat for your child? Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madeline with the Pittsburgh Police Department, reminding you to please keep your children safe. Follow the safety seat manufacturer's recommendations for height and weight, and check NHTSA's website or our Facebook page for recommendations. If you have a question or would like your seat installation checked, please contact our department at 413 413- 448-9700, extension 575. Our officers are certified safety seat installers. Thank you. This message is brought to you by the Pittsburgh Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Using WIC is easier than ever. Now you can use the WIC card instead of checks for your food purchases. WIC is a free nutrition program that helps working families stretch their food budget and make healthy choices. WIC helps families learn to shop for nutritious foods and offers resources like online nutrition education and an app to make shopping easier. Visit us online at mass.gov WIC to find out if you qualify. This message is brought to you by the Massachusetts Department of Public Health's WIC Nutrition Program. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Better weather is around the corner. Expect an increase in the number of pedestrians on walkways, cyclists sharing our roads, and kids playing outside. It is imperative we all pay better attention while driving, walking, running, and cycling. So we need to do our part in keeping everyone safe by adhering to the rules of the road. Wear bright clothing if you are walking or running. If you are driving, please slow down and don't drive while distracted. Pay attention. Let's keep each other safe. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union. Proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal Credit Union, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair, one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people they support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are committed to serving our community in this difficult time. We will bring you live coverage of press conferences and official statements from our government officials on PCTV CityLink Channel 1303, on the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page, and on WTBR as they happen and as we are able to do so. Please stay tuned to our channels 
and our social media for updates on press conferences and other important information pertaining to the ongoing pandemic. America's Quiet Warriors are the legion of ham radio operators, 700,000 of them, who are always ready for backup duty in emergencies. Amateur, unpaid, uncelebrated civilian radio operators during and after floods and fires and tornadoes, after the 911 attacks, hams were indispensable in reuniting families. Most recently, it was they who expedited the search for debris after the disaster to the Space Shuttle Columbia. And right now, at this moment, they are involved in homeland security to a greater degree than you would want me to make public. You have chosen wisely. W-D-B-R. And we're Hello. back here from Studio B. Yay! Hey, I'm on the WTBRFM. If, if there's a show that you want, you know, something, some subject you want us to bring up, yeah. just drop me an email, kd2jkb at gmail.com. Yay! Uh, seven minutes, eight, nine fifty-two, here in Studio B. Mm. So what about the wildfires in California? We're, we're switch gears here. What about the wildfires in California? Oh, it's just crazy. I'm hoping they the one fire was a, the Creek Fire or something is zero percent contained. There was one wildfire that was started from somebody's pyrotechnic from a reveal party. Now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... Oh, a gender reveal party. Gender reveal party, but that's fine. But if that set off a wildfire, shouldn't they be responsible for for, for, for repaying for the damage? Yeah, Uh, especially during, what, drought and record heat at that time. Wouldn't logic dictate to you that you do not set up fireworks? Yeah. It's it, it, it's weird. Um, in lieu because, <laughs> Sorry, I went into because, my because of COVID nineteen, WTBR didn't have a fundraiser this year, so I'm putting it out there. Please, please donate to WTBR FM wherever you can afford. Go to www.wtbrfm.com and put in the donate because this is listener supported radio. Without you, none of this happens. If you like Ham On and Classic TBR and The Beatles Forever and uh, Morning Drive and all these other shows that that are on the air. Plus, there's some specials coming up and we're actually working on a special, a Halloween special that we will give more information as we go on to. But the way it looked preliminarily... We are set for Halloween. Yes. Um, it's going to be about a three, four hour block. Maybe more. We're trying to get some of the other producers in on it. Um, I think it would be pretty cool. Because, you know, no Halloween parties. Because of COVID, no Halloween parties. No halloween this. So, I figured we would do a WTBR Halloween spooktacular. And, oh, and always adding to the list. So, Always adding to the list. Yes, I just be, thought of a new. There'll, there'll be a WTBR Halloween spooktacular that we have scheduled, hopefully, preliminarily for Holly for Halloween night, October. Did 31st. you almost say Hollywood? Hollywood, yeah. Uh, 
so please donate to WTBR. We'll, yes. we'll, you know, we'll, yes. we'll, we'll keep innovating. We'll keep bringing up new stuff. Um, you know, we'll do more of this stuff. Uh, you know, we we're in season two of Ham On. Um, we're halfway through season one of the Beatles Forever. Yes. So if you like these shows, you like classic TBR, and you like <coughs> On Patrol of the PPD uh, and all this other stuff, please donate WTBRFM.com yes. and just donate whatever you can um, to help out the station. Because uh, without the listeners, the station does not exist. Like uh, I said, without you, there is no us. So with three minutes, give your you a little plea for Berkshire Humane. Also, on top of that, if you could donate to our little, to our little furry friends, little feathery friends, little scaly friends, whatever kind of pet you you fancy, please go ahead and donate to the Berkshire Humane Society. They are looking for wet cat food donations. They are looking for litter donations. They're looking for pellets for small animals with no seeds, because they can't have seeds. Um, hay donations, bedding donations, anything related to those, and, and also parakeet, also parakeet food for the parakeets. Somehow the doggies seem to be top tier, <laughs> top tier on the donation. <laughs> We are looking for other um, animals, and remember to tell them that you heard it here from Hamon. Um, we, like I said, if you can donate, please give them a call at four one three four four seven seven eight seven eight. Tell them you're on the way to the Humane Society with your donation, or if you can't, you know, do it in public, go ahead and go to. Um, their website and Berkshire Humane Society and they have a little donate button that will work also but mostly they are looking for um, tangible donations for their pet food pantry if you can please go ahead and like I said give them a call at 413-447-7878 and please let them know that you have donations for the um, shelter thank you yeah, and again, donate to WTBRFM, www.wtbrfm.com, or, you know, if you're going cruising by this station there on Federico Drive, you can stop in and give them a donation. Also, tell them that you heard it here on Ham on, yes. on WTBR. Yes. Uh, really quick, we're running way out of time, real quick. Uh, cycle 1, Cycle 2, Western Mass Traffic Net for all mm -hmm. interested, 130. Mm -hmm. And or one o'clock and four thirty p.m., uh, seven days a week. Almost forgot. And oh, and uh, um, uh, HHTN the heavy hitters traffic net. Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're linked in through uh, Echo Link on uh, K1FFK. And for all your new hams out there, join. Uh, please join because uh, if not join, at least donate the repeaters, especially. K1FFK, they take a lot of money to keep the repeaters up on the hill on top of Mount Greylock. Yes. So join in with that, and we will see you next week. Go to call the, uh, email the Northern Berkshire Amateur Radio Club, nobarc.org, and give them a donation too, as well as WTBR. This is 73 from Peter and Jesse. 73. Peace out. 73 is everybody. And we will talk to you next week.